I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. I'm Tony Dickerson, one of the RHS's team of horticultural advisors. This edition of our fortnightly podcast is brought to you from the RHS Flower Show at Hampton Court Palace. Coming up later, seasonal advice from international nurseries, plus advice on creating a garden as enjoyable for your dogs as it is for human members of your family. Hampton Court Palace is the world's largest annual flower show, which this year runs from the 5th to the 10th of July. It's renowned for its rose displays, fantastic shopping opportunities, innovative gardening designs, and of course its stunning location in the grounds of Hampton Court Palace. It's a wonderful day out for garden lovers. We went to sample some of what's on offer to visitors this year. My name's Sue Biggs and I'm Director General of the RHS and we're standing at Hampton Court Flower Show right in front of the four beautiful feel-good front gardens and they're just such a joy. They've actually been created by amateurs who've designed for the first time from a competition run through BBC Local Radio and their results are stunning, absolutely stunning. I think uh, a lot of what we're doing this time is all around health, happiness and horticulture and I have to say just walking around makes me feel so happy with all the beautiful the sun has finally come out which is just wonderful and the weather forecast is brilliant all week so to come down here and just see so many beautiful plants in the marquee out here in the gardens the butterfly dome is spectacular to see really beautiful tropical butterflies as well as our native butterflies in the beautiful flower meadow outside it's just it's a beautiful beautiful flower show our green and grey britain campaign is so important to all of us and i am determined that between us all we are going to change the face of our country you know we need it to be green and beautiful you know we've got enough depression around at the moment anyway so we can all do with a relax leave that behind Come Come to Hampton Court Flower Show and then go home and make your front garden beautiful. My name's Anna, I'm an entomologist at RHS Garden Wisley, um, but today I'm at Hampton Court in our butterfly dome. Um, we've got probably more than a thousand um, tropical butterflies flying about um, in this um, really large dome filled with tropical plants um, and yes, yeah, beautiful and warm. Um, we've also got outside, the idea is here to inspire people um, and enthuse them about butterflies. Um, outside we've got um, lots of planting that's friendly um, for butterflies and for other pollinators. 
um, for the native butterflies um, to then try and encourage them to plant those sorts of things in their own gardens. I am John Wallen and I'm the designer for the World Vision Garden at RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show. I have taken the design from Chelsea Flower Show which was almost a seismic earthquake activity and we've expanded it from a 36 metre plot to a 150 metre square plot and it's the planting's completely changed. You're now in the middle of a kind of a midsummer oxide daisy meadow and if you're looking at the moment we've got some young children blowing bubbles and that's kind of what it is it's a naive simple space when they're kind of carefree sort of memories and it reminds us that many children of this age don't get that sort of joy and it reminds us why world vision works in a hundred countries worldwide and give children freedom from fear really what you're really looking at is five what looks like strips of turf designed to look almost zero gravity as if almost maybe like a magic carpet seismically sort of rising up and floating really it is real turf it's all structurally held there and you can walk under them through them trees are penetrating them and then they are planted as i say there's oxide daisies there's nice verbena and then there are three water bowls throughout the garden and they're just kind of moments or points of reflection as you walk through the space and share the journey with world vision my name is mark white and myself and abigail ferguson we designed uh, the allies and times hands garden conceptual garden <laughs> we've created a giant wave uh, amid collapse which represents through our concept the uh, passing of a moment of time um, and also uh, we allow this as an interactive experience for visitors to walk through. Uh, we have sounds of the wave inside and it's complemented with a Dungeness um, coastal landscape. The wave's made out of about five to seven hundred pieces of uh, steam bent ash wood and it's all been um, put together and each piece has been put on and around a framework and uh, to give this effect of uh, a, a fully cresting wave. Concept is based on Shakespeare's sonnet, Sonnet 60, which talks about the succession of waves uh, mimicking the minutes of a human life and the fact that you can't stop time but you can actually harness time to possibly leave a message for future generations. This year the show also has a special family garden day on Saturday the 9th of July with special activities aimed at children of all ages. It smells yeah. really nice and you can make like perfume out of it, I think. It smells really nice, like soap or perfume or something. It smells wonderful because when you smell it, you can smell loads of different kinds of lovely things. Yeah. We've seen um, this kind of wave thing which you can walk through and it gives you a memory of the beach and it sounds like the ocean when you go inside. The waves have really nice messages. There's one that says, um, we, rem we don't remember the days but we, we remember the moments. The Cook and Grow Theatre is a popular location for food lovers to hear talks from celebrity grow-your-own experts such as Bob Flowerdew, James Wong and Gennaro Contaldo, giving talks on inspiring culinary uses for the produce you grow in your own garden. My name's Terry Oliver, work for Kensington and Chelsea Council and we're in the veg box section at Hampton Court. We've got a little veg box here, so it's three metres by three metres, but we've crammed a lot in. What we're trying to do is showcase the kind of work we're doing in Kensington and Chelsea. So over the last seven years, we've kind of developed underused bits of land into food growing gardens called well, we call them community kitchen gardens. So we've got about 75 across the borough now, well over 1,500 residents growing their own fruit and veg. Uh, work with 18 schools, and they have a 
kind of a small area. It's only like three meters, well, three meters by about one meter. So it's not as big as this, but it just shows how productive a small space can be. And it, it works really well with a kind of busy urban lifestyle mm. as well. So we've got four um, planters today. They're kind of made out of this kind of bespoke metal planters, which we use at some of the sites where the beds may have to be moved around two sites at Kensington Olympia Station where we've got 89 of these kind of raised colourful metal boxes where we give them to residents and community groups to grow their own fruit and veg. So what we've got here, we've got a school plot which kind of showcases early and late harvests because a lot of schools forget about the summer holidays <laughs> and the maintenance of that. So what we try and do is I've put in early stuff like strawberries and potatoes and things like that and then later stuff like pumpkins and stuff which are really popular. We've also got things like the electric daisy, which are here, which kind of give a tingling sensation on your mouth. They, yeah, so they kind of give you a little electric shock on the tongue. You still add a bit of interest, so, <laughs> which is always good fun. Um, and we've got four greenhouses, um, which have been funded through public health funding. And we've been training up volunteers, like local residents and schools, and they've been growing all the seedlings um, from seed, basically, and selling them and the money we make goes back into uh, the community kitchen garden and they've grown about 99.9 percent of this from seed it's a win-win situation for everyone involved because it's using bits of land which no one's actually using um, like a developer might have or whatever so we're transforming that into a really nice kind of uh, new community resource where they can come in and grow their own fruit and veg for free basically and we have um, two community gardeners which give free garden advice and support and a little bit of hand holding and confidence building gardening's been proven to be good for the mind and body and, and soul and stuff hasn't it so it's just great and especially when you're in such an urban area actually getting kids and families and stuff growing their own fruit and veg it's, it's really important so we're Alton Infant School from Alton in Hampshire and this is um, a garden that's been designed by children and parents um, way back in the autumn. We've split the three metre square into nine square metres and each one represents a recipe. So uh, the children were asked to design one square metre with their parents or grandparents or whomever. Watercress soup, we're, we're Alton, so we're quite near watercress beds in Alsford, so uh, we've got the watercress in a bowl, with, we've got a solar panel there, and a little, just a little bubbling, because it grows on gravel and slightly running water, so that's what we tried to represent that there, potatoes, peas and onions for the soup. And then we've got carrot and courgette cupcakes, these were one of the favourites when we tried them, they were very delicious. And uh, unfortunately, our courgette got eaten here, not in Alton, by a Hampton Court slug. This is a, a cup of tea. So we've got all the scented geraniums and mints and different herbs, of chamomile. And then the one the children like the best is we actually got a Camellia sinensis. Uh, the only one I could get was this tiny cutting, which wasn't the plan, really. But um, we stuck it in a little pot instead, so they're very thrilled with it. <laughs> This is a rainbow salad and a herb omelette. And then this one's a vegetable burger with the wheat at the back and uh, poppies and uh, cornflowers. I think this is my favourite. <laughs> I love it. Hampton Court Palace Flower Show also sees the four winners of the RHS and BBC Garden Design Competition have their designs for a feel-good front garden become reality. We went to speak to the winners and find out more. 
So today we're at the Feel Good Front Gardens for the RHS and BBC Local Radio and I'm Anne-Marie Powell and I was one of the judges with my esteemed colleague James Alexander Sinclair to actually choose the winners of this fabulous competition. So the competition was really to design a garden that makes people feel good, you included and your neighbourhood and is inspired by your locale. So essentially it's a, f a small space, six by four, that we've made them a bit bigger on site I have to confess, just to inspire people to get gardening in their own front garden when they got back home. And we're delighted to, to, that we've actually managed to get um, winners from right across the country. So we've got Kent, we've got Bristol, we've got Manchester and we've got Cornwall all represented with spectacularly different garden styles and and I have to say I am thrilled by the enthusiasm and hard work of all these amateur garden designers and the RHS team and I think some of these gardens are really well all these gardens are some of the best on site actually this year so yeah it's amazing what you can do on a small space with a small budget don't you think? My name's James Stewart I look after some of the the big campaigns for local radio and regional TV for the BBC in England and over the past few months we've been encouraging our listeners to take part in a competition to design four gardens at Hampton Court and today we're looking at the final creations which are finally built and they look fantastic. In February this year we launched on air a competition across all 40 BBC local radio stations in England, the chance to design a garden at Hampton Court and we set some fairly stiff criteria, it had to be six metres by four, it had to be a front garden, it had to be inspired by where people live and it had to have some sense of feeling good about garden, so a garden that made you feel happy. So quite a long list of criteria. And then we had a long, long list of uh, criteria on the website that people could go for. And we had hundreds of entries, uh, most of which were of a really, really high standard. So we got together uh, with James Alexander Sinclair and Anne-Marie Powell, who are two of our judges, Ali Dempster, who's built the garden, and a couple of guys from the RHS. The big meeting in Vincent Square it took all day. And it was quite an interesting discussion, and we chose four winners uh, and then handed it over to the RHS, who've built them here at Hampton Court. My name's Lee Burkale, and I'm from Manchester. So I've designed a feel-good front garden as part of the RHS and BBC's competition this year, and the, the purpose of it was to provide a front garden that was maybe sensory, felt good, and had an influence of somewhere where you lived. So each of the different designs are from different parts of the UK, and mine's from Manchester. I've really played on Manchester's rich industrial heritage, so we've got all the canals, we've got lots of cobbles in Manchester, and you know, in the early 1900s we had a lot of industry in cotton. So what I've tried to do is to take some of those really harsh landscape features, such as the timbers and the cobbles, but then offset them with a really relaxed kind of meadow planting to mimic the side of a canal, to try and bring some calm to the garden, uh, but giving it a really strong structure at the same time. I'm Simon Judge. The design really is meeting the brief about a feel-good front garden and also something that reflects the locality where I'm from. I live in Bristol and it's something which um, is an important part of Bristol's culture which is the SS Great Britain in the middle of the city and of course it's long connection with Brunel with the suspension bridge and of course the Great Western Region Railway. The planting and the design very much reflects the era when it was built, which is that it was built in um, the 1840s for the transatlantic trade. It was the first transatlantic liner and it was designed to take passengers and goods to America. And if you can go there today, and it is one of the top 10 attractions according to the um, popular magazine, it's also a chance for people to see the sort of things that people used back then to transport goods to America. We've got these large cases that you'll see all over the harbour side. The kind of industrial feel of the 
paving comes from the kind of stones that the harbour is made out of and in fact it's the local pennant stone and the, the sort of hard-edged um, oak is also something which is, is very characteristic of the place. The prairie planting is really from America where we were starting to import plants. The yew trees represent the planting design that was popular in mid-Victorian era and um, the cast iron of back then of course which is what the furniture the the buildings and a lot of the um the boat itself was made of the ship the ss great britain is very much characteristic of what the victorians used in a lot of their engineering projects so it's designed to reflect that but obviously to be a space that you want to sit in the important thing with this is i think all of the gardens exemplify a couple of things which are really good general tips for people um, who are thinking of just paving over their front garden one of which is go big because often the danger is that you plant lots of small gardens and don't forget you don't have to have garden with gravel or, or grass in it all of these gardens they don't have grass patches they don't use lots and lots of gravel but they do have strong features strong vertical features these are only six meters by four they're the size of an average front garden but they all give a sense of space and enclosure which is important they've all got water features and with the idea of a small bubble fountain or a small fountain in the background people feel much more confident about sitting out just chatting to each other because although people may be walking past near to them there is that sense of privacy that it affords nikki shellis liz dobinson Jenny Booty and Tim Walker. So our garden is a Cornish garden. It's taken inspiration from the mining heritage of Cornwall and the um, link between the miners, the the plant hunter, you know, the mine owners that went away to other countries and came back with the the plants that we can support with the Cornish climate. Well, the garden is uh, is it's exotic planting, which is as Nikki said, is supported uh, by the climate in Cornwall. Um, and it's based on the, um, the miners coming out of the darkness of their mine, i.e. coming through these fern trees, and out into the light. So the idea was that they would come home either today, modern day, coming out of their office, or whether in the mining times they, they're coming out of the mine and into a beautiful exotic garden where they can just feel at home, relax, enjoy a cup of tea, sat on the oak bench and enjoy the water and all the planting. Hello, um, my name's Sarah Morgan and we are at Hampton Court Flower Show where I have my show garden here for Feel Good Front Gardens. My garden is a shingle garden and it starts from the uh, nearer the house with very tall plants. So I've got tall grasses, Callimagrostis, Carl Forster, tall wild carrot, uh, Verbena bonariensis, um, lots of fennel woven throughout um, and then as you walk I've got a large water feature built from a steel bowl a rusted steel bowl and with big steel girders um, going down into the water feature as rills across the garden angled into each corner diagonally um, they're inspired by the harbour at Whitstable because we have a working harbour there we still they still um, do a lot of fishing especially shellfish and oyster fishing so um, there's a lot of steel and heavy materials and girders so I've got these big girders as rills and I've got chains coming down into like an oil drum water butt uh, feeding the feeding the rills with water so as you leave the front door the idea is that you feel that you're on a, on a walk across the land down to the edge of the water Flower shows are a fantastic opportunity to discuss the variety of plants you especially like with the growers who specialise in them. From dahlias to air plants, cacti to crocotomia, 
The specialist growers can give advice on choosing varieties, common problems, and of course, what seasonal jobs you should be doing throughout the year to keep your specimens in top condition. We spoke to some experts to see what are the key jobs gardeners can be tackling in July. I'm Heather Goddard-Key and from Firebrix Nurseries um, and we're in the Floral Marquee at Hampton Court Palace Flower Show. We've got two displays actually. We've got one of the Pelagoniums which is behind me here and we also have another one of Fern and Ivy. So we've got one that's lovely and lush and green and one which is just a blaze of colour. So obviously we're in the middle of summer, it's peak pelly season they want to be kept very well fed they're hungry plants so every time you water you want to be feeding with a tomato feed a high potash feed tomorite is perfect and regular deadheading just to keep them nice and neat and tidy and that's that's pretty much it i mean they're not high maintenance plants it's one of those things that you can go on holiday give them a good drink before you go with some feed go away for a week not have to worry about and they're still looking great when you come back so very easy going i'm gareth dibley from dibley's nurseries we're a house plant nursery in north wales and we've come down to hampton court every year to to show our uh, our streptocarpus and our begonias off Streptocarpus. They are a flowering house plant. Um, they do well in a west, an east, or a north windowsill, and they uh, flower right through in a house from about May to October, November. Uh, they're very easy and uh, they just keep flowering. You've just got to be careful not to overwater them, so that's the secret with Streptocarpus is to wait until they're dry in between watering. You want to take the dead flowers off as they go over, particularly in the hot weather, you're going to get a lot of flowers coming out, but a lot going over. So if you keep Pinching off the dead flowers, that will encourage more new ones to come along, so keep doing that. Well, it's a good time to propagate at this time of the year, so uh, if you've got nice fresh young leaves, you can uh, propagate both begonias and streptocarpus from those. The streptocarpus, you can cut a leaf into sections or you can take the midrib out, but the easiest is to use a whole leaf and just pop that into compost and that will root and produce you a new plant. Simple as that. We're HW Hindsun, we're from Ruscombe, which is near Reading, and we're exhibiting lilies and alliums. We have rose lilies, which are double lilies, so they're pollen-free, very nice perfume, but they need an ericaceous soil. And then we've got some others, which are very big flowers, highly scented in yellows, oranges and that, and they grow in any free-draining soil. It's basically a very, very scented stand. If you've got a lily that's finished flowering, you cut off the actual flower, very top of the flower spike and let it die back down again. If you've got a, a lily that's not yet flowered, you just have to wait for a nice sunny day because they're being held up by the sun no end. You know, they really are slow this year. You'll also find out more information on all aspects of gardening on the advice pages of our website. There you can also watch video guides to key seasonal jobs. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash advice. I'm Tony Dickerson and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Remember, the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show runs from the 5th until the 10th of July with a family day on the 9th of July featuring extra activities for families and children. There are still some tickets available on the RHS website rhs.org.uk forward slash Hampton Court. And if you can't make it to Hampton Court this year, here are some of the other activities and events happening in the next few weeks. We all want beautiful flowers in our gardens, yet throughout history plants have provided much more, from fabric to food to medicine. Join team leader Ali Mundy in a walk and demonstration in the kitchen garden at Harlow Car to explore some of these plants and their uses. That takes place on 18th of July, but booking is essential. Branch of the British Cactus and Succulent Society will be staging their annual show during the weekend of the 16th and 17th of July at RHS Garden Hyde Hall. See fantastic displays and pick up a plant to take home too. 
free with normal garden entry. Did you know that earlier this year we sent some rocket seeds into space as part of a groundbreaking experiment? Come and see our rocket science exhibition at RHS Garden Rosemore, which runs from the 16th of July to the 21st of August to find out more. Join us for an early morning walk and talk around Wisley on the 20th of July with our expert team to discover how to make the most of your garden microclimates. Booking is essential and discounted places are available for RHS members. Details of these and hundreds of other events are available on our website at rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. And finally, one garden that is sure to draw the attention of pet lovers at the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show is the Dogs Trust Garden. To mark its 125th anniversary, the charity has worked with designer Paul Hervey Brooks to create a show garden that is designed to give pleasure to both dogs and their owners, is safe for dogs and protected from their own over-enthusiasm, and offers sensory features that will make your patch a canine paradise. My name's Richard Moore and I'm the manager of our rehoming centre at Dogs Trust in West London. Uh, Today you're in our garden, A Dog's Life, at Hampton Court Flower Show. This garden is really about embracing gardens and dogs together and giving dogs the opportunity to have great fun in a garden. It was really based on the design that we put together at our Harefield Centre in West London, uh, which really wanted to give dogs more of an opportunity to use their senses. So we devised a sensory garden Uh, which had various different plants um, to give the dogs the opportunity to see the different colours, to use their nose, to sniff out the different scents. Uh, Certainly it was a big area as well that they could explore through. And um, the whole idea was, say, um, embracing and enhancing their senses. Following on from that, you can see the garden that we have here. There's loads of things for our dogs to do, uh, whether it's tunnels, whether it's the the sniffer gravel tracks, working their way through the amazing selection of beautiful flowers, or whether it's just the straight uh, run of the grass for them to run up and down and put their foot down, if you like, as a dog does. Um, We also have a lovely uh, flat water area as well, and dogs absolutely love water. Um, Not just to be able to paddle in, as they have with the water area there, but we also have uh, running water behind us, and running water again has two attractions to a dog one from a natural water running point of view that's really beneficial for them also the movement of the water the sound of the water again it's it's something interesting for them and that's so much what this whole garden is about it's interesting for the dog what was so important to us was that all of the plants were non-toxic to dogs Um, there are a lot of plants out there i mean just an obvious one like mint and the grass itself they can have medicinal purposes for dogs dogs can almost self-medicate themselves um, with, with plants uh, so anyone that owns a dog will see sometimes that the dog is chewing on grass if, if their digestive system needs a bit of a shake up um, but they're all non-toxic plants lots of vibrant brilliant colours obviously the yellow of dogs trust as well but they're all about being safe for the dogs but also giving them so much to see to smell and just let their wild, uh, senses go wild Rolling on from this, the brilliant thing about the garden is that once the, the show has finished in, on um, Sunday, the pavilion and about 70% of the garden will be relocated to our centre in West London. So it means that not just the benefit of the dogs that are visiting the site here this week, but also for years and years to come, the dogs will be able to benefit from a brilliant, calm chilled out environment which our pavilion offers to be able to make friends with dog walkers with potential new owners with members of staff um, and also the experiences of all the garden that that will bring as well 
As always, you can find out more information for Hampton Court Palace and details of all the gardens on show on the RHS website. So, that's all we have time for in this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.